The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Uh, We are coming to you after Thanksgiving. Hope you guys had a good holiday. We are here to talk some college football and some draft. We know it's a pretty busy weekend. There's going to be a lot of college games going on, a lot to digest. Chris, you you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving, that's all about digestion. (laughs) So we know there's a lot of stuff going on. So if you've been listening to our past couple shows of of this show, we have been breaking down and getting the intro into a couple of positions. Uh, We're not going to do that this week. We'll jump back into that next week. For this week, because there's a lot going on, you might be traveling. We just kind of wanted to get a show out, but we didn't want to go too crazy into a new position. So we're just going to kind of look at where the Giants are right now in terms of the draft and in terms of where the roster is, like rebuild-wise and and what the projection kind of looks like. Like as the Giants head into the draft. So we're just going to talk about all the moving pieces of what the Giants are going to be looking at going into the draft. And right now they are three and seven, still technically mathematically alive for the NFC East. That is more because everyone else in the division is bad and not really because the Giants have a shot. Football Outsiders has them only at like a 1.8% chance. That increased by 1.2% this past week. Also, we are recording this before Thanksgiving, but you guys, this will be posted on Friday. So we do not know how the Washington and Dallas game went on Thursday. Uh, so all our odds and, and things that we're talking about uh, will be without the context of the result of that game. But right now, as the Giants are 3-7, and seven, they currently sit at the fifth spot in the draft. But that could change. Right now, Football Outsiders has them with a 1.3% chance of the top pick, which are the seventh highest odds. And they have a 27.4% chance at a top five pick, which is the eighth highest right now. Cleveland is ahead of them. Buffalo is ahead. Tampa is now ahead, as well as uh, the Jets, San Francisco, Arizona, and Oakland has a 90.6% chance at a top five pick. So those are the teams that are ahead of them. Those are the teams with similar records right now. So the Giants draft position is definitely going to be 
in flux as we look at these next couple of games. So I think that kind of changes maybe the conversation we would have had if we had had this discussion maybe a week ago when it looked like they were going to have, or even two weeks ago when it looked like they were destined for a top three pick, probably at worst. But now after wins against San Francisco and a win against Tampa Bay, the the actual draft position is a little different. So I think that changes the discussion just a little bit. Oh, definitely. Uh, They've got a potentially winnable game this week against Philadelphia. They're banged up and not playing well. And right now... ESPN's Football Power Index has them tagged as either the 7th or 8th overall pick after, I think, 10,000 simulations is what they say they do. I'll trust them on that. I didn't count. So that definitely does change how their offseason and their rebuild is going to go. Likely takes them out of the Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver, Quinn and Williams tier of picks and moves them into... I suppose you could say the second tier, you know, guys who aren't probably aren't going to step into the league and be elite players. That's a good point for the overall point of of this discussion. I, I think we're going to stick with some of the macro ideas with where the Giants kind of sit right now in terms of the draft picks they had, maybe the holes they need to fill, and just kind of the overall just franchise outlook heading into the draft rather than the specific players who are going to be available. We might touch on that a little bit towards the end in in one of the questions we got. But for right now, the the Giants are, are sitting with the top five pick, and that is kind of because of what the team has been so far. Uh, They have the two wins in the past two weeks, but there was only one win before that, and they're still three and seven. So it's unknown right now, and when when you look at those projections, everyone's still putting them in for for a top at least 10 pick. Um, So when you look at that, the the Giants are, are going to have some work there, and they're going to have probably a couple of holes that they need to fill. If you look at the roster right now, this is a defense that ranks 28th in DVOA, which is Football Outsiders team efficiency metric. So the offense is is slightly better, mostly big play related at 18th, but this is uh, a defense that's been kind of trying to plug and play with new guys. You saw that they were starting to ship out some guys who were not going to be part of the team in 2019. You saw the Eli Apple trade before the deadline. You saw the Damon Harrison trade on the deadline. So this is a team that's trying to work to find players who who might be holes in that roster, but in that process, they created the holes that are going to be need to fill uh, this coming offseason. Yeah, you know, the area where I think moving or sliding back in the draft order has an effect at the meta level is it limits their options. I mean, realistically, Dave Gettleman is not going to trade back. I, we can just say that. Yes, yeah, never traded back in a draft ever in any round, not even yes. like in the sixth to like get an extra seventh. He has never traded back. Um, no. That That is insane to me. It is. Um, it is. And that, that's how you get value, especially uh, not that I would expect Gettleman to to do this. But when you're looking at an updated draft value chart, 
instead of like the old Jimmy Johnson chart, you you can <laughs> get a lot of value by looking at a more updated trade value chart. Uh, than you would by by the old school thing and that's how a lot of teams uh work on picking up more value that was say what you want about the browns rebuild lasting like three years i mean that was their whole objective was to get more high value picks by trading back but that is not something gettleman believes in and and he was asked about that after the draft last season and he was like you don't want to get too cute but it's not getting too cute when it's adding value and probably for a roster that we see now has multiple holes and still will going into this draft uh, getting those extra high draft picks definitely would have helped exactly and falling out of that you know potentially elite tier even though he wouldn't make use of the option now he probably won't even have teams who might trade up for nick bosa or ed oliver or and we'll circle back to this later but whoever the top quarterback is if the giants decide to punt on that decision again you know they ha- now they just don't even have the option of being in position to trade back like say the Indianapolis Colts did with the Jets so the giants are in a position where their roster has holes and they need more than any single position they need talent on their roster so right now they're hoping that either journeymen or guys who were undrafted free agents or low round picks or whatever will be diamonds in the rough. And that kind of strategy makes rebuilding a roster or building a roster kind of problematic. Right. I'd say the Giants are in the middle of kind of those two ideas right now because they they probably aren't going to continue to trade back, as, as we said. They're probably not going... And as... You mentioned they don't have, they probably won't have the opportunity to get a haul if someone wants to trade up. Even if they're sitting at five right now, the the kinds of guys who are at the top of the draft in this class that we're looking at, the, the defensive linemen and the offensive linemen, as good of NFL players as they could be, they are not the the types of guys teams are going to go out of their way to trade up for. If you don't get Ed Oliver, there's someone who's slightly Ed Oliver-ish who a team might be able to grab later on. Later later where that team is going to be picking. Yeah. That's not the case for quarterbacks. We see quarterback is going to be the position where teams, if they want a guy, they are going to trade up to get that guy. And... Oh, we'll get to the discussion of, of quarterbacks later and if the Giants are going to target one. But if they don't and someone else you know, wants one, it's, it's interesting of whether that guy is still going to be there where the Giants pick. And if there's a team who wants to trade up to where the Giants are to get it, or if that happens earlier, or if there's no rush to trade up for a quarterback at all. And that's one. Of, that was one of the arguments for trading back last year was there were so many quarterbacks and there were teams who were going to want to trade up. And obviously teams didn't trade up to, you know, the, the top half of the top 10. There were the Jets who did move well before the draft. And then the Bills moved up 
to 7th, and Arizona moved up to 10th, but that was in a class where there were five quarterbacks who were taken in the first round. There's not going to be that this year, so there's not going to be that volume of teams looking to trade up. The Giants are probably going to have that one first round pick, uh, so they're going to have to hit there. And then when you kind of move back to to the rest of what the draft is, they from that Eli Apple trade, they have a fourth round pick uh, and a, and a seventh. Uh, from the Damon Harrison trade, they have a fifth round pick. And right now, from from what I'm looking at, this site Tankathon, which has the full draft order as records are right now, uh, that don't have comp picks pushed in. And the Giants should be getting a fourth round comp pick from cutting Patrick Omame before week 10. So they'll get an extra fourth there. So right now, they're in line for the 126th overall pick which would be the New Orleans selection at the end of the fourth round. And right now the 131st selection, which would be actually San Francisco's pick in the fifth round uh, because of the condition of the trade with Detroit. Detroit has two fifths. The Giants are going to get the higher pick. Uh, Right now that would be San Francisco. So those picks are going to be pushed down the board a little more because there's going to be comp picks at the end of the third round. There's going to be comp picks at the end of the fourth round that are going to push those selections down the board. But if you take those picks and look at the draft value chart by approximate value, uh, which from football perspective uh, takes the approximate value which is pro football references kind of single number value of of a season and what this does is values the picks by the average five-year approximate value from each pick so right now the combined av of the two picks the Giants traded that that fourth and fifth is about the equivalent of the 73rd overall pick, which is like a mid-third. So the Giants did get some value overall there. The problem is that it's it's two late round picks that some of the the argument for them is is they'll be moved to trade up, but you don't always you don't really trade up with with fourths and fifths. Usually you you trade up with with second and thirds at the least um or you know you future second and thirds usually teams will value a future second or future third more than more than they will a fourth and so I think that's a tricky situation there and then you just have the fourth and fifths overall where where you're not guaranteed to to get a starting caliber player so it puts a a weird dynamic on the way the Giants are going to be going into this draft and and how they're going to try to rebuild. Yes, uh, you generally don't build a roster through late round picks, uh, day three picks. You can get lucky and find a player who's going to be a legitimate starter for you on day three. I would say the Giants actually did pretty well at that with uh, Devin Kennard, B.J. Goodson, you know, obviously, going back a few years, had uh, Kevin Boss and Ahmad Bradshaw come out of the late rounds. But all told, your odds of finding a guy who can be more than just a role player goes down significantly the further back you go in the draft. So there was a article on Forbes.com, you know, which is the place you go for all of your football articles, of course. But it was back in 
2015, so a little bit old, but I think I believe still relevant. And it kept track of all of the picks going back or all the players drafted from the 2010 draft over the next five next five years. Your odds of finding a long-term starter in the first round, it was 67.5%, which feels about right. You know, roughly about two-thirds of players drafted in the first round are going to be starters, either just by their teams being stubborn and not cutting bait or by getting a hit. That drops to 33.8% in the second, climbs, spikes a little bit in the third with 36.3%, and then on day three, 6.3% chance of finding a starter in the fourth round, 4.4% in the fifth round, 1.9% 1.9% in the sixth round and 0% in the seventh. That's it's basically statistically insignificant numbers of players are starters out of the seventh round. But as it stands right now, those are the picks that the Giants are going to be relying on to rebuild their roster for 2019. Yeah, and, and that's part of what the draft value chart by AV does. It, it tracks what the average of each pick is over a five-year period and you can just see when you when you see it in a graph form at high picks it's it's high and, and there's a steep drop once once you get past you know the first a couple of rounds and and once you get into the fourth round you're really throwing darts we, we say the draft overall is a crapshoot once you get into the fourth round you're you're really just throwing darts and if you think you have a better chance than other teams it's, it's really just a, a that's false that's a yeah it's arrogance and and false confidence in your own scouting if you really think you're going to be better than everyone else when you when you're picking there you know if if the giants can can take those picks and and move them into you know maybe maybe the third round maybe the second then you know you can see you're getting higher on talent but as we see the giants still have holes to fill and they are going to need probably as many draft picks as they can and especially if you look at what the roster might look like after this season because we don't know who is still going to be on this roster so right now per over the cap the giants have about 33 million dollars in cap space but they still have a lot of highly paid guys who could create cap space but in the trade-off creating that cap space yeah it creates a hole on the roster that needs to be filled by someone the eli conversation is obviously going to come up at some point he is a 17 million dollar savings uh if he's gone but if you do that you are going to need a quarterback whether it's a backup or or whatever. Olivier Vernon, the Giants would save $11.5 million by releasing him. But that creates a hole as, as a top-tier pass rusher. You would have to have a lot of faith in Lorenzo Carter, who I know a lot of people are high on, but he is not the, the number one pass rusher you, you want if you're going into a season next year. So if you cut Vernon, you get that cap space, but you need another guy off the edge. Uh, Janoris Jenkins would be $7.75 million in cap savings, but you're going to need a cornerback there. The Giants have Tony Lepet on the roster who who has not been able to break into a game yet. They have Grant Haley, who, as you who have listened to the show know, I like a lot, but is he going to be someone you're confident in starting? Uh, you have Sam Beal, who, again, I'm okay with using that third-round pick uh, in the supplemental draft, 
a last year on him. That's why you don't have a third this year. But he's a guy who's going to be seeing his first time action there on the field in 2019. So that's a lot of questions. Alec Ogletree creates possibly 6.5 million, but that's also he's going to have his roster bonus there. But I, I, sorry, I think you can find the linebacker who's going to. I don't. I'm not worried about that. I'd that's honestly fine. be fine with getting somebody of Ray Ray Armstrong's caliber and just starting BJ Goodson and him. Yeah. I'd be absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Oh, the, the Ogletree roster hole, I, I wouldn't be. That's not, that's not much of a hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a divot. So Rhett Ellison is $3.25 million, but, but we're, we're going down the line here. I mean, obviously Jonathan Stewart is probably an automatic $2.6 million or you're going to free up and, and you're not going to have trouble finding a running back who has any value more than Stewart had uh, this year. But a- as we talk about this, so maybe if you do that, you, you free up all of this money, but now you have so much roster space you need to get and, and the Giants don't have the excess draft picks to do that. So now you're going to have to go into free agency to try to find the guys to fill those holes and then you're in a situation like Jerry Reese was kind of in the past couple years where you have to go out and you have to bid on some of these guys so you're paying more money uh, to bring in not top tier talent but because they're on the free agent market you have to pay a slightly higher price and then you're just inflated contracts all over again and you're just in this massive circle. Exactly, and and it will be be worse because those will be 2019 contracts instead of 2016 contracts to fill the same holes with guys who might not even be better. Right, and then that's not even considering the current holes that the Giants have to fill. We can maybe see some more from Spencer Poli as we go, but they might need a center. I mean, Jamon Brown has been good. Um, but he's in the last year of his rookie contract, so if he's going to stay, the Giants need to pay him a new contract. The Giants absolutely need a new right tackle. So those are guys who are currently on the roster, and those are holes that are need to be filled. The Giants absolutely need a new free safety, and that's still someone who is on the roster. They might need a new strong safety if they elect to not extend Landon Collins. Well, that's the other thing. Collins is going to be is on the last year of his deal. He's probably, worst case scenario, a guy you can franchise and push that decision back maybe another year. But yeah, these are their holes that are already on the roster before you even consider the holes that are going to be need to fill if the Giants want to create some cap space. So that's why these these extra picks and these these draft picks are going to be so important. I think we're about to the point where we can circle back to the quarterback question. And you happen to receive a question through Instagram, which fits right in. Yeah, so we had a call for questions and pretty much every question we got was in some way related to quarterback because no fault to every anyone who was asking these questions, it's an important thing. The Giants passed on that decision last year. They're in a situation now where they're going to have another high pick. But I think this one question kind of does the best to to frame the conversation that we can have. Um, So the question was, now that the Giants are lower in the draft order and and not you know uh you know top three does a quarterback in the first make more sense than it would have first overall so what that's basically saying is i think we can see if 
if Justin Herbert comes out, right, he is by pretty much every account the clear number one guy. But I think the way the draft class looks right now and in the way most people have looked at it, he would not be the number one overall guy who you would put on top of a big board considering everyone else in the class. I think that's the opposite of what you could have done last year where you could have maybe put any one of the five, I'll say four, because if you put Josh Allen on top of your big board last year, (laughs) I have serious questions about your big board. (laughs) Sorry, I I think that's the last cheap shot at Josh Allen I'm going to take this episode, uh, but I cannot promise anything. I'm sorry. I, like, I, I, f- I kind of feel bad, but also at the same time, like, he should not have been a first-round pick. So anyway, as, as we look at where the Giants are now, maybe quarterback falls more into matching up with the value, and that's what this question is asking. I think my view on this is if you need a quarterback and you have the evaluation on a quarterback— that he could be the guy who is what you are looking for, and you have the trust in him that he can become the type of franchise guy to lead the team. I think that takes precedent because of the value of of the position. I think that takes precedent over how else you might view other guys who maybe potentially might be better you know, prospects in a vacuum. Uh, But I think if you need a quarterback and you have evaluated a guy to be the guy, then then you take him regardless of of what you believe the other value of those other players will be. Agreed. I think the quarterback position is the only position where need takes precedence over talent. You know, the Giants have needs all over their roster, but... If you don't have that guy under center or behind center, as the case may be, you're you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, you know, the at least not unless everything else goes really, really, really well. I mean, just look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure anyone would say that Blake Bortles is the guy, or anyone would voluntarily take him to be the guy. But everything went really perfectly last year and they made it they made a real nice run in the playoffs almost got to the super bowl this year things aren't going according to plan on the defense their offensive line is banged up and not playing nearly as well as it did last year and they need their quarterback to be a franchise quarterback and he he ain't so you they they have that need and if you have that need you that's the one you have to fill even if there's a better player available at another position. Provided there is that guy you think could be. Yeah, so I, I think... I think at least our, a viable starter. Yeah, so our, I think our answer to that was, was in the, the macro sense that if there is a quarterback there and you believe in that quarterback, that is who you should take. If we look in the micro sense of this draft class, I, it might be fair to wonder... If that guy is there, especially if Justin Herbert doesn't come out. Yeah. You know, financially, it makes a lot of sense for Herbert to come out. He could be, depending on what happens, he could wind up being the over, number one overall pick. Uh, seeing 
Carr and Gruden get into a fight on the sideline, you have to wonder how much longer they're going to stay together or if Chucky's going to get rid of Carr and say, you know what, I like that Herbert kid. But there's also the sentimental side of it, and maybe he just doesn't want to come out, forget the money. And then, you know, I know you are not a fan of uh, the other potential option there at the top. Yeah, so I think not a fan is actually understating how much I would be against a, a Daniel Jones pick in in the first round. I mean, I don't know how you can watch him against Clemson and <laughs> and be like, yeah, that's the guy we want. So that is the added layer on top of this question, whether that guy is going to be there. So as we stated, if you believe that guy is there, then you take him. The, the problem is if you feel like you need a quarterback and you're talking yourself into a guy because you need to take a quarterback, that's where it gets dangerous. And I think that is not that I agree with what the Giants did last year, but I think that might have played a part of it, that there might have been so many options last year, there was not a consensus of who the guy was, so they didn't pick one. I think that is that is a bad way to go about it, uh, but I think that was part of their decision-making in that scenario. So if either Herbert doesn't come out, or if he does get drafted by... Oakland before that happens, then it's a completely different conversation if you don't believe in any of the other guys. And and that's where it gets really dangerous. And that's also why last year, when, when you pass on these quarterbacks that people were much higher on, you put yourself into in a situation where you might not have the chance to, to get that quarterback in this class. And then maybe you know, after this Tampa Bay game, there's people making the case for another year of Eli. And, you know, I, I don't want to really talk bad about Eli as, like, a person for what he has brought to the Giants organization has been great. Uh, but if you're going to go into a, another season with a with a 38-year-old Eli Manning, I just... Then you're then you're pushing another rebuild back another year. So that that is a dangerous situation the Giants have put themselves in as a ripple effect of what happened last year. Yeah, well, obviously the guy was Baker Mayfield, and the Browns just snaked him. Don't so... tell me Dave Gettleman ever would have drafted Baker Mayfield. No, there's but... no way. There's no way. No, absolutely no way. Actually, Dave Gettleman is a closet millennial, so he was all about Bayfield. Oh, yeah. Everything Dave Gettleman has showed me so far tells me he's he's a closet millennial who's super open to new ideas. Yeah. Uh, couldn't you have just seen him right there on the sideline with Baker and Odell in a dance-off? Oh, yeah. He was definitely one of the guys who watched the Rams and Chiefs on, on Monday night, and his reaction to it was, this isn't football. <laughs> Although it is, no, and, and that's, no, that game was the future of football. I, I mean, probably not to the extent some people have made it become. I don't think in three years we're going to see 51, 50 games all over the place. But as we see how passing has taken over, and Todd Gurley and Kareem Hunt were barely involved in that game running the ball. Both teams scored over 50 points. Neither one of those running backs had over 100 yards rushing. <laughs> 
Kareem Hunt was involved a little more in the passing game, but man, this these were shots downfield, and and this is what we're talking about in in terms of roster construction and why getting that quarterback is so important, and why having such a run heavy game plan can be detrimental to the overall offense. And that's you know, what we talked about after the Tampa Bay game, because uh, that's something that goes forward into the Philly game, who I, I might be able to start at nickel corner for <laughs> Philadelphia at this point. So that's part of the problem, and, and that is, that's going to continue to pop up as we look at the options the Giants have in the draft. It's, and it's, it's hard for me now to trust Gettleman in the overall plan of what's going to happen going forward after watching that Monday night game. Um, and just the almost the entire time uh, I was watching that game, I just the thought of Gettleman all offseason talking about how two of the three most important factors for a winning team are running the ball and stopping the run. It's just it's just not true anymore. Um <laughs> It just doesn't work that way anymore. And I think the, the Giants put themselves back uh, by thinking that. The, his third thing, rushing the passer, absolutely true. And, and that's something the Giants have struggled with this year. But uh, in terms of, of the passing game, uh, if that quarterback is there, uh, you take him. Uh, but if not, I, I don't want to force a guy early. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I don't want to... It's say take another shot, you know, a mid-round pick because they've already done that twice uh, with Davis Webb, who obviously did not work out, and Kyle Loretta, and, and who knows what that is going to bring. I mean, I'm going to continue to say if you want to take a shot on a guy like Mackenzie Milton, who has shown he is very good at football, and I think the the one knock on him is that he's... 511 uh, but but I think he can he can run a modern offense so I don't want to maybe maybe the choice is there if you're not taking an early guy to continually take shots uh, on these uh, third and mid-round guys um and maybe eventually you find one then maybe that's not a terrible idea the way the Giants are set up right now if if they're not going to be able to take a guy in the first round but you know that is just that's the dilemma the Giants have put themselves in right now. Yeah, that and that would honestly be my strategy. You know, if you happen to be in a place where you see a quarterback you have a good grade on on day three, you know, like Kyle Oletta or, you know, Davis Webb, whatever, you know, a guy who has some warts but you think has enough redeeming qualities, maybe has that work ethic to, like, Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson who can overcome their warts uh definitely Wilson more than Prescott you know go ahead take him take take another bite of pie we'll keep this you know topical for the holiday and if the team winds up basically being forced to punt the quarterback decision again you know the 2020 class does look right now assuming Tua and Fromm come out which right now we don't know that they will. They're both sophomores, so they, they will have eligibility beyond 2020. But that class looks more promising than what's facing them right now. So build up your roster to the point where it could withstand a trade-up and then make like Kansas City, make like the Rams, make like Philadelphia, and go get your quarterback. Right, and then the problem there is to be in the position to get one of those guys is you're either bad enough 
again for now a third straight season uh, that you're in the position to draft those guys or you have to you're, get you're rid paying of through a the lot of drafts capital if you're even okay this is we're talking probably multiple first round picks probably the seconds and thirds the the trade ups for quarterbacks are crazy prices and that is detrimental to to building the roster later on so I, honestly I, I think if if they don't have a quarterback they can take in the first round take a quarterback in the third through fifth every year and see if one of them works out I would say that a guy like Milton is is the perfect is the perfect type of guy to target. Someone who is very good but will be overlooked because of something that doesn't have anything to do with his play, and that that's going to be his size. You put Milton in or, like, in a in a Shermer scheme with bootlegs and play action and and some more wide open throws. Man, that could that could be really good. And and he's a guy that has nine rushing touchdowns right now. He's he's a complete threat in the red zone too so if you want to take a guy like that who who has potential but is going to be overlooked and is going to be some kind of inefficiency then then sure take that if there's not a guy there but i i think that's going i think now too far off base from from the original conversation we were going to have but i mean that's just where the giants are right now looking at the quarterback decision heading into 2019. We'll end that discussion there and we'll finish up like we have in the rest of the episodes uh, with giving you some college games to watch and it's rivalry week. So we got quite a few on the docket. Yeah, um, all of them, just all of the games. Yeah, just watch as much college football as you can this week. Get yourself here. some leftovers, settle into a comfy spot on the couch or recliner whatever you got pick a channel turn it on and watch some football but in particular we we do have a few games we want to mention um obviously you, I, I you have to start start off with the iron bowl alabama auburn every year that game has just that game might even be more important than the national championship to alabama and any chance to scout alabama you should take because pretty much everybody on that field is going to be playing in the nfl yeah, I mean, we, we've already talked about the, a bunch of them. Uh, we talked about Jonah Williams. As we get to like the interior defensive line, Quinton Williams is going to be a guy we bring up. You know, Raekwon Davis right next to him. They're just churning out guys uh, who are going to produce the NFL. And, and Tua obviously is not going to be a guy in this draft class, but he is someone who uh, is at least going to be a Heisman finalist, uh, and we'll be talking about him a lot uh, as we go into the 2020 draft, whether the Giants have a quarterback or not. He's just going to be you know, in an overall conversation uh, because he has been very fun to watch as a legitimate quarterback for Alabama, which they have not had in, in some time. Yeah, since um, I, I'm not sure when their last real legitimate quarterback was. Joe Namath? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not sure, but yeah, it's it's going to be a fun game. Auburn has not been super great this year. I mean, they've they've had some losses. They have four losses, but still 15th overall in S&P Plus, which is the college efficiency rating, basically DVOA for college. A shout out to to Bill Conley of SB Nation who uh, created S&P Plus. Um, I use it all the time for college stuff, and they're they're 14th on defense, so that. That offense is, is going to be something, but I mean, I don't, I shouldn't have to use numbers to sell you on the Iron Bowl. Obviously, no. uh, 
to start that day at noon, Ohio State and Michigan. Always a good game. These are two top 10 teams now. Ohio State has looked shaky. Um, They almost lost to Maryland. Who are honestly lucky to even have a football program right now? That's something else even just entirely different, but... So, and Michigan is is second in defensive S&P Plus. They're fourth in overall S&P Plus. So, I mean, that's going to be a good game. And, and basically, if, if Michigan wins this game, they're probably in the playoff. That, that, that's just going to be a, a fun college game. Um, whether you're you're really looking for guys you're going to be, you know, scouting for the draft or not. Uh, and, and Dwayne Haskins has not really been sharp over the past couple of games. So he's going to be facing a really good defense again. So... Uh, we can see how that uh, goes along. So I know you guys are probably listening to this Friday. So, I mean, well, this is getting posted on Friday. So a lot of Friday games uh, might have already happened. But Oklahoma, West Virginia is going to be fun Friday night. Washington, Washington State to 830. But yeah, just so much college football this weekend. You can you can probably watch all of it. That's, that's why God invented DVR. That is true. Take in, take in all the college football you can this weekend uh, before Sunday when you are focused on the Giants and the Eagles. So we will end this show there. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you do. If you haven't listened to, to Ed's two shows this week, he had one show reunited with Patricia Trena, and, and they talked about a lot of stuff going on with the Giants right now. And then he talked to Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation to preview the game uh, against the Eagles. If you haven't listened to those, go ahead and do that. We will be back with a show on Monday uh, recapping that game. Uh, that'll be Chris and I breaking that down. Um, please go to Big Blue View and, and read everything uh, we will be writing uh, before and after that game. Follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Uh, follow us on Instagram. That's where uh, our best question uh, of this episode came from. And that's at Big underscore Blue underscore View. So thank you all for hanging out and we will talk to you again soon. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.